Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the HB5 studios right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. I'll be your host, Biggin, and how about you? Without further ado, let me go ahead and bring in the second half of this crazy sideshow. That's right, I'm talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, 2016's Honorable Mention, Father of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one, it's Mojo! What up, dog? How about you, buddy? Just another week, another week. (laughs) It's all good. Another week, another ruby is what That's I say. Right. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening in this week. Uh, this is like, like Biggin said, this is the Southern Fry Philosophy. You can find us out on Facebook at Southern Fry Philosophy. You can find us at the website at www.southernfryphilosophy.com. Instagram and Twitter is at SFP Radio. Please uh, go to Google Play, iTunes, or Stitcher. Give us a like, subscribe. Um, please share our episodes, the ones that you really enjoy. We're trying to give you some more information, action-packed shows. Also, uh, feedback. We love mm-hmm. feedback. So you can always email us at sfpradio at gmail.com and you know suggest some guests or suggest some topics. We're, we're open to it. Not saying we'll do it, but hey, <laughs> we're open. Also, you can go to our new Patreon, Patreon link if you like what we're doing. We've had people ask us to how they could uh, further donate or whatever. So you can go to patreon.com slash sfpradio. So here we nice. go. Very cool. Hey, one thing that I did want to um, highlight for this week, if you are in Concord, uh, April 29th, there is an emerging designer fashion show right here down in beautiful downtown historic Concord. Did you know about the fashion show? I, I'm actually admit, I'm in it. Are I'm, you? I'm one of the models. <laughs> that is no, I, I have no clue. <laughs> uh, it is Saturday uh, the 29th. It's from 6 to 10, and it's down here in Concord at the Piedmont Renaissance, Renaissance Center. Um, hey, and it, what it is is just a local boutique, and they are doing a little fashion show. Mm-hmm. It'll be kind of cool. Um, you can come, and the tickets are like 40 to $50. Um, you can check out their information at Via Boutique. Uh, so you can go to their website, viaboutique.com. Um, but they do have some some kind of cool things. There'll be models by the Carolina Talent. Hey, I don't know what yeah, that I'm means. I'm not with but, them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Food and beverages are provided by Union Street Bistro in downtown Concord. Uh, all proceeds will go to creating a design center in downtown Concord. I don't hmm. know what that's going to be. But you can meet and greet your favorite designer, and photographers are welcome. So you can come, you know, be part of a like a fashion show. Check them out. And uh, go from there. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that. Little That's Concord, event. North Carolina, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might be a little bit hard for all of our Japanese listeners or to Concord, come. Or Concord, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or California. Or That's right. There's, there's several different there's states. Those. Did I say Concord something else? You said, just say Concord. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, our, our listeners in Tokyo, you might you might uh, think next year because I'm sure ticket prices would be pretty high to be here by the 29th. <laughs> by the way, I want to say shout out to our, our Japanese listeners yeah. and our Indian listeners. New we, Zealand, too. New Zealand's bringing up the rear, yeah. I think. Well, that probably sounded bad. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys listening yeah. in every week. It's the reason why we do this show. No doubt. That and get away from our wives. Well, I get away from my wife for <laughs> one day a week. So. Yeah, nice. I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. Mojo, how you be doing? I tell you what burns my biscuits this What's week, that? buddy. Uh, oh, you know how you know how you're just traveling along. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you see traffic backed up mm-hmm. like miles away from your red light. It's yeah. not that time of day. It's not that time of day where you have 
traffic. Your traffic's mm-hmm. not supposed to, be on the, supposed to be on the road. Like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and it's a road that normally would maybe clogged up at 5 o'clock mm-hmm. or 5.30. Sure. I got so, you. All right, so five, six light changes. I finally mm-hmm. get up there. There's two little old ladies pulled off to the side of the road. Oh, actually, no. they pulled off the side of the road. They're in the road, Ooh. and they're exchanging insurance information. Okay. Pull off the side of the road. That's what it's for. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a law, state law, baby. Pull off. You're not supposed to sit in the middle of the road. Uh-uh. But and I looked at the car, and mm-hmm. it was a it was a gray SUV and a white car, white Lexus, and the mm-hmm. white Lexus literally had a scratch on it, four inches long. Mm. Well, you know, they may they may want the police to come and do CSI. On the accident, or a, yeah, a DUI check. I, I have I guess they've driven too many, too many mimosas at the country club. I, I, I didn't understand that, and yeah. uh, I rolled my down my window and said, "Hey, uh, can I? You know, anything I help help mm-hmm. out with?" And I right. know we're just exchanging insurance information. Mm. But you know, you know how long the red lights are here. Oh, too. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you could take like a nap in some of them. Yeah. So anyway, or you could check your emails halfway through. Exactly. Yeah. People just. Please pull off the side of the road for accidents. That just drives me nuts. Anyway, mm-hmm. how you be doing? I mean, I, I'm exhausted, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, after I, can the, see, I can see in your eyes. <laughs> the, in my hair. Like, I haven't taken had a haircut since I left uh, for India. That was the last time I had a haircut. I need a haircut like a champ. Anyway, so uh, Wednesday we did the show. Thursday, uh, headed down to Florida mm-hmm. to help uh, Papa Biggin pack up his truck. Right. But by the way, when did my dad become a teenager? Can I ask this question? <laughs> I think you start reverting at a certain age. He, he has be he is the antithesis, or he's the exact same of what I was when I was a teenager. Like it's he the would, Benjamin Button effect. Yeah, like he walked by several things that needed to be moved out, uh-huh. and just walked past him. I'm like, Dad, are you going to pick that up and take it out? Oh, I didn't see. It. Well, I said that <laughs> when I was a teenager. Or like he would find something else to do that had nothing to do with what we were doing. Right. Like, so he would say, oh, I got to go pick up a prescription. Dad, you've had like three weeks to do this. Like, why right, are you just now right. doing that? So it, it was just, it was. I think he was just getting back at me for being a lazy A teenager. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I'm going to show him. And I'm just going to sit down and do nothing all day. Um, so anyway, so got him all loaded up. We did have the help of uh, uh, LaMarcus. Right. And uh, we're going to get LaMarcus on the line because dude was hilarious. Um he was fantastic. He he did a great job moving stuff. And uh, anyway, so we're going to get LaMarcus on the line. LaMarcus, um, so I met you. Uh, you were moving my dad and uh, Papa. We call him Papa Big in here on the show. Um, so <laughs> so uh, you helped him move. And, dude, you did a fantastic job, by the way. And and so I kind of want to ask, uh, first question is, one, do you have, like, is it a business or who do you work with? Or how if people want to uh, – Get in contact with you to move. How do they do that? First of all, they got to scream out to our radio station. They scream out to our radio station, then I talk to them. <laughs> Call me by my cell phone number. We can get that out. And I work for myself. Okay, very cool. Works for himself. We'll get. We'll put out the uh, the phone number uh, uh, on on our website so you can do that. Uh, Lamarcus, uh, tell me about the uh, the story that you were saying. What is the weirdest thing that you have experienced while you were moving? Moving somebody. Ooh, this is a, this is a family this is a family radio. I can't tell you my weirdest one. <laughs> I got we got to keep it PG thirteen, right? You yeah, you can kind of tell me about the one that you did uh, for the the that one that one lady you said that. Uh... Yeah, well, let me go and get it to you, then, man. 
first law, it was almost like a blessing and a curse in disguise. I don't know how to take it. But, man, I done seen some things in my life, and I, I just couldn't believe it when I answered the door. I mean, when I rung the doorbell, and a lady comes to the door in her robe. <laughs> you hear what I just said? Just robe. She ain't had nothing else on in one clothes, just a robe. Now, in most in most cases, it, it, it'd be kind of, it wouldn't be weird. That would be a fantasy or so what. Right. But when she fixed it and, and, and kind of been running in the sun too long and a couple spots are, are, are lighter than the other, it's kind of scary but a little nervous at the same time. I got you. I got you. So uh, we got done. Me and my crew, we got ready to move on. She come to the door half-dressed. I said, ma'am, uh, in order for us to work here the right way and make sure we don't put no things in the wall and none of my guys slip and fall watching you, try to cover yourself. <laughs> she asked me. She said, what? What man wouldn't want to be moving around the next one? That's right. I'll tell you that. And I looked at my crew. I looked at my crew and I said, oh, and, and, and I had three guys in the back of me like little dogs shaking their, hand up, shaking their head the other way. <laughs> I'm the only one speaking against it. Because I'm trying to keep it professional. I'm a businessman. Sure. It's about the job. But but my crew, they, they don't care. They just work. They said, man, it's like an incentive. <laughs> they they kind of worked a little harder for me. They were ready to go to work the next day, ready for something. So we come we come on in now. We start working around. And she kind of got a little, I, I guess she was being observant, you know, watching her stuff being wrapped properly. <laughs> and she stood over us, man. You hear me when I say she stood? I ain't never been, I ain't never been nervous, no woman. But when you got one standing over you half naked, and, and, and talking to you, you can almost see everything. She was covering up her, body, her, her bottom part after we came in the door. But the top of her was still showing. Mm. I, 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 like, like I'm talking right now, I'm stuttering. I was laughing. I, I kind of I, I, I need you to know just, just grief. No, give me just a little space. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I ain't, everybody in here, we like women, but you're making us uncomfortable. And again, <laughs> my crew... I'm the only one speaking. I'm the only one looking like a, uh, I guess, I, I don't know what I looked like to her. But my crew didn't back me up at all. You hear me? Uh, they uh-huh. didn't back me up at all. They was again saying, we okay, we okay, we okay. <laughs> they didn't take lunch breaks or none of that, man. This lady was just a, hey, then her dog, her dog was weird too, man. Her dog acted like this always goes on. He was just sitting there staring at everybody. He wouldn't bark. He wouldn't move. He just sitting there. Where was she going to stand right beside you to watch her? And he watch her. And he watch her again. And he watch her. I said, oh. I, I pulled my guy. I pulled my guy to me. His name's Swan. I said, man, you think, you know what I mean? No, I'm from the country. I'm from Mississippi. Man, I ain't never seen nothing like this. You don't think there's none of that, that, that TV BCIs and stuff going on in here. Oh, no. He said, oh, man. He said, no, man. I said, well, the dog watching me kind of weird. He said, it's a guard dog. It's, it's a wingman. It's a little long, little hot dog looking thing, man. Sad, you know. We walk in the kitchen and start packing up stuff. We see, man, I promise you, I don't know, 24 cases of peanut butter on the counter or what, man. <laughs> we ain't see no pictures of the, of the husband. We only saw pictures of dogs and huff. <laughs> and she was just the, when I say, man, I, ain't, I, I, I was happy that she was being nice. She, I, no, I can't say nothing bad about her. I ain't going to say her name because that'd be messy. Sure, they ain't sure. having my business. But, I would. I called my mama. I said, Mama, I've been with one of the nicest, nudest ladies I've ever seen in my life. And she asked me for a dollar. She paid me. I said, but the dog thing made everything awkward, man, because I walked in the bedroom to take a bed down. 
The dog got on top of the bed. You hear me, JT? I, I the dog got on top of the bed and started like growling, but he wasn't showing his teeth like, get back, get back, get back. He can't get up here. Now my crew, I don't hear them no more. No, I'm, I'm in here with one of my guys. Mm-hmm. I got two more in the back. Mm-hmm. I don't hear them no more. We in there trying to take the bed down. All of a sudden I hear oop. I hear a real loud oop, man. <laughs> She didn't so happen to, to fall on her couch some type of way and her whole role over. Oh, and no. when I say all those guys who were shaking their head happy and, and, and glad to be there, mm-hmm. they come in the room with me and say, man, I can't do this no more. <laughs> I think I have a fire. They just can't do it. No so I told the lady, I walked up to her and I said, ma'am, I said, we're going to have to come back on a later day to find a job. She asked me, she said, is it because of the dog? <laughs> really? <laughs> You, that's the only thing you done heard me talk about all day is the dog. You didn't hear none of that 30-minute conversation about you being undressed, man. That's the dog. <laughs> she said, well, sir, up here in Florida, you can you can dress how you want and, and, and know this is my home. I said, well, ma'am, uh, you don't have to call two guys in the truck. These three dudes right here and me, we got to go, man. We can't, we can't do this. She said, well, I, I promised to put some clothes on. JT, listen, now, she promised me. And I took her word for it. Uh-huh. You know, she sounded like a nice little lady. She promised me. Mm-hmm. This lady went to the back and put some socks on. <laughs> and I don't know if it was a, a T-shirt or a thumb shirt that you can buy in one of them little fancy stores <laughs> that nobody else go in and shop in. Right. But it was some type of shirt. She just made the situation from, from bad to worse. <laughs> I'm talking about that, that, that. It's man. I told, like I said, I called my mom. I said, Mama, I think I didn't think some of the craziest things in my life right now in one house. She said, what's going on? I told her what I just told you. That lady looked at me. She said, well, baby, you need to hurry up and get about the house before you catch the charge. <laughs> I said, I'm going to catch the charge, Mom. She said, uh, she said, you in this lady's house? She, oh, she might say, yeah, I took something from her. I said, I recorded her from the time. She said, that's how you're going to go to jail. That's, that's porn right there. That's porn artist. That's how you're going down. I said, Mom, I'm, uh, I think I might need to switch my uh, my career, man. Switch, switch my things. No, switch it up. Do something else. Work outside. Do fence work. <laughs> Do fence work. She said, I said, man, I ain't never. JT, you hear me? Never in my life. I'm I'm 25, man. I'm 25, and I ain't never in my life. I probably, when I was young, I used to think that I wanted to see something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like the FedEx man, how you see it on TV. Mm-hmm. The UPS man, I open the door. Pizza guy. All of a sudden, it's uh, such and such. Man, that was by far. You hear me? By far, the weirdest I have felt, the most out of place I have felt, the tickling I had laughed. I, I, to this day, that happened my, when I first got here. That was almost a year and a half ago, and I still to this day tell people this story, man. I'm trying mm. to tickle me to death to see what I had thought. Wow, that's 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 an incredible story, man. That's insane. Oh man, you just don't know the last stuff, man. It's just, it's just, man, I got all types. Y'all did an excellent job. You should come back over and paint my wall. <laughs> uh, you should come back over and, and build me a fence. I told her, no, when I moved in new house, all my services. Man, this lady, I, I, I ain't make no more money with her, man, because I was scared. I was nervous, sure. man. I was, I was frightened, to be honest, man. I was petrified, however you call it, scared of cat, chicken, blood, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I had to get out of this situation, man. She called me back to back, back to back. And she sent me a text like, did I offend you? <laughs> Didn't my dog make you feel out of place? I'm like, it's not about the dog, lady. 
I had to say, it, 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 the dog is cool. I understand the dog. He confused. He don't know what's going on. It's you, Shannon. The dog ain't got nothing to do with it. Oh, man. That's, that's, just, that's just one of them, man. That's just one I done dealt with up there, man. Mm. I done seen it all, man. Well, dude, I that's that's probably one of the greatest stories I've heard. I, I wish you would uh, would just stop what you're doing now and just move to Charlotte and and be your third because uh, this show would take off with with you as a third. And you're so funny. Man, y'all called me today. Hey, hey, I was about six. This it getting hot this summer. Man. I I booked me three moves this week. Uh-huh. Man, I probably got no story. You ain't no telling what you, man. You come, you seen Florida? Yeah. These folks, they chase it down the highway. They they super crazy. They mixed up down here. They from everywhere. Man, you come down here and see some of this stuff, man. Hey, we just need to get a camera and come down here and make a reality show. <laughs> no, we need we need to record everything that I do, man. You'll see some. Well, Marcus, the mover. We can. I can see it on a reality show now, man. This is gonna end up like at a at a, a slot at ten PM. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be on like that Cinemax late night <laughs> I don't think I wanna see it that much. Um Lamarcus, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. And again, thanks so much for uh moving Papa Biggin. Uh, I appreciate man, that. No problem, man. Man, this crib, you and your family, y'all good guys, man. Well, I appreciate it. And listen, we'll uh we'll have you back on the show. Anytime you have another funny story, just text me and we'll uh we'll be glad to put you on the show. Oh man, I might burn your phone up, man. I see something different every day, man. <laughs> well, come on with it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for being on the show. And uh, like I said, if you want to get in touch of, with Lamarcus, uh, if you're in Florida by chance and need a mover, uh, we'll put his phone number up on our website so you can check it out. So, uh, dude, thanks again. I appreciate it. All right, man. Again, I thank uh, Lamarcus for being on it. Dude's hilarious, like I said. So, um, if you need help, uh, we'll have his information on our website. So, pretty cool deal. All right, so we're going to go to um, a little thing called uh, Wacky World. I got an article. All right, it's the only one I'm gonna do this week. All right, bring me. I know we got a big. I know we got a big interview segment. So, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, article says. Oh, well, I'll start it out by their mm-hmm. headlines. I think their headlines <laughs> priceless. Color me sad. Oh no! Crayola retires the dandelion crayon. Oh, did you, hear, did you hear that? I did not. So I put that in the bucket of things <laughs> I don't care about. But no, you got to think of dandelions has been there for all our misery and tears and happiness. I mean, you, I mean, you or, never use it. You never use the dandelion crayon when you colored. I, the for what? Like what would I? Sunshine. So oh, I guess the sunshine. Dandelion flyer, fly, <laughs> uh, flowers. I didn't do a lot of those. So, so what's yeah. the big deal about that? Um, they're updating their color portfolio. Okay, but yeah, that's that's kind of sad. That's just one of. Is, I mean, in the bigger schemes of things, you know, with North Korea <laughs> and Syria, this is kind of a minor upset, but. Uh, Is it a trigger word that I'm just not getting? I don't know. But, you know, the irony of of crayons, I don't know if you remember back when you were a kid, but you could always (laughs) – I don't know if they're good. (laughs) I know our dog eats them out, eats them, and it's like unicorn poop the next Uh day. Yeah, that's half um, the fun. (laughs) (laughs) But you could always tell 
someone's net worth in, in school uh-huh. by the amount of crayons they had. So you had like the mm-hmm. 12 pack, you had the 24, oh, yeah. and then you had some that had like the mega 96 pack. How about with the sharpener on the back? That's now when that you was, were balling. That's, that's when you were, that's when you had, your parents had a lot of expendable income, mm-hmm. which if, I we never had. If you had the sharpener on the back, you were a baller. That's right. No, yeah. I mean, but I think, I think I most ever had was a 48 pack in school. Really? Yeah. No, I would, I would make the parents get to like the 96. <laughs> My, like, yeah, my parents didn't do that. They were rubbing two nickels to make a dime sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I, I, I did get hungry during lunch, so <laughs> I had to eat them all. Did you really eat them? I, 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 listen, I'll be honest. I probably put down a few. I did. I probably did it. Oh, my gosh. I, I thought I, the blueberry I, really tasted like blueberry. Well, I guess if you can psych <laughs> yourself out long enough, I guess it, anything tastes like anything. Yeah, Jeez. I, I was a moron. I, was, I used to <laughs> eat paint chips when I was a kid. Yeah, and live under electric electric grid too, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Some power lines. Anyway, that's that's the only story. It's just you know, mm. you know, North Korea or dandelion crayons. I was like, I would go with dandelion crayons. <laughs> everybody else is talking about North Korea, right? So. We're going to talk about the dandelion crayons. But yeah, there's actually, a, there's actually how do you say that? Crayons or crayons? Crayons. 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 Yeah, crayons. Or crayons. Yeah. It's like potato, potato. We don't want to sound fancy. Fancy. <laughs> the Tarjay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the last episode, one of the things that makes you think about spring mm-hmm. is uh, is baseball. Right. So I did uh, stumble upon com and uh, umpire heckles that you may not be familiar with. So if you go out to the ball game, there are some of the... Uh, he- the only one I know is for baseball mm-hmm. and, or football and it's... Uh, a rope, a tree, hang the referee. Oh wow! That's, the only one That's I so violent. And the second verse is even worse. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I wanted to know that one. Yeah. This is. I'm going to give you the ones that can be used for all various sports. Sports. Sportses. Hmm. I'm doing awesome. Uh, <laughs> is that more than one? <laughs> I told you, I'm tired, man. Um, so these are some that can be used for various sports. Uh, hey, Ump, you drop more calls than AT and T, which. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I think that's a good one. Uh, hey, did you star in Weekend at Bernie's? Mm. That's another good mm. one. Uh, I thought only horses slept standing up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. That was higher than a t-shirt at Mardi Gras. Mm. Or higher than giraffe, you know what. Oh, that's that's probably that's probably a good one. Um, <laughs> and this is probably one of my favorite ones in the entire world. Um, he was out as a deaf kid playing musical chairs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, other good favorites are Stevie Wonder could see that one. Right. Uh, if you, if you keep calling him like like that, you're gonna be bagging groceries by September. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, hey, did your glass eye fog up? <laughs> glass eye. I didn't pay thirty five bucks to watch you call strikes. <laughs> That's right. So I thought those are some pretty good heckles. So if you wanted to, uh, you know, heckle and ump every once in a while, there you go. Out, use one of those. Well, uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a little break here. We have uh, Josh Brom with the Equal Rights Institute coming right up after this message from our sponsor. Hey guys, it's springtime, and that time of the year, it is made for grilling and chilling. You too can be the baddest mother smoker on the block using our favorite award-winning smoking sauce. Bad Mother Smokers is perfect match for that favorite meat veggies, or even that secret ingredient in a pot of chili. Check out BadMotherSmokers.com to place your order. And if you want to be a barbecue pit master like Mojo, enter the promo code MOJO for 10% off your order. Visit BadMotherSmokers.com to get yours today. And you can check out the sponsor section of our website. Welcome back to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. 
Uh, today we, on the show, we have, we're interviewing Josh Brom with the Equal Rights Institute. Uh, EqualRightsInstitute.com is the website. Uh, I'm, I could probably explain a little bit about what Equal Rights Institute is, but I think it'd probably be better suited if Josh does it himself. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to probably mess up a little bit. So, welcome to the show, Josh. We appreciate you coming in. Thanks. And, it's great uh, to be here. I got you. It's well. weird being on someone else's podcast. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I know. I, I'm so used right. to podcasting in my own little studio. It's kind of fun going somewhere else where, frankly, the setup's pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Maybe we need to use your podcast. Again. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, appreciate you coming on. Tell, uh, tell us how you got started. I read some of your bio online, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's intriguing because uh, the the institute that you do is a special, obviously, a niche market. Yeah. And not just a market, but, but niche a niche. of a niche. That's <laughs> right. And um, also, it's very controversial. Yeah. So explain, how I guess, how you formed it where, and how you came about to just be in this, your passion and drive. Yeah. So the story starts when I was 11, actually. Wow. So I know, right? So I was homeschooled. I was one of those homeschooled kids. I know, super weird, right? Like I could, <laughs> can, cannot handle talking to people. Um, although I was pretty weird back then. But uh, We're all weird. I know. Uh, it's just all d- different degrees of, <laughs> of weird. Um, my dad took me with a group of guys from our church. We had a very, very pro-life church. Uh, it's it it like a Protestant church, but super pro kind of homeschooling, pro-family. Uh, and there were guys that were praying outside the abortion clinic in downtown, downtown Sacramento. And my dad took me this one time, but so I'm 11, kind of a little, maybe a little over sheltered. Uh, mm. and it's like, I hadn't had the talk yet. No oh, one no. told me what abortion was or anything. I'm just <laughs> here with these guys in front of this ugly brick building in downtown Sacramento. I have no idea what's going on. Like I, I can't, I don't setup. understand why we're praying what we're praying about what is going on i thought this was super weird and i was already weird right yeah um but uh so at some point later that day i kind of asked my parents about about what was going on and i had seen some signs across the street that had kind of graphic images of what abortion does and uh and so they told me what abortion was that day and i remember having these three really distinct emotions i felt first i felt a lot of surprise because this was so Outside of my cultural bubble, this is the first time my my cultural bubble got pierced, if mm. you will. Like the first time I really confronted like real sin. Um, it wasn't surprising to me so much that it was legal. It was surprising that even anyone would want to do this. Mm. Like I'm, I'm at a church where like people with ten, eleven, twelve kids isn't weird. Um, and so I was very, very surprised. I was really sad, not angry, but really, really sad. And then it's kind of had this growing sense of, well, I guess I'm going to have to stop that when I grow up, you know, <laughs> um, a little, little, little over ambitious, except maybe not for a homeschool kid, but pretty, a little over ambitious. And, um, but I didn't have anything to do with that drive. And so it was not until I was 18 years old, I got involved in this teens for life group in Sacramento. And then I started my own when we moved to Atlanta. Um, and then I got hired by a right to life group there. And I've been kind of working pro-life. I'm in mean, full-time pro-life basically my my whole life i turned down a, a professional music career uh, oh, wow. to do this i had a contract from nashville uh want you to be a touring traveling uh piano keyboard guy and wow. and i knew and i really want to do that i love playing music like this is one of my like my i, I love all of this there, there's a sense you get um of a feeling if you play music at all very, ba- very, ba- very badly if it, when good musicians play with with other really good musicians there is a feeling that is very very distinct uh it's 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 kind of hard to describe so i I miss that still um Mm. but i knew like there's so many great musicians and so many great worship leaders and not that many great young pro-life speaker guys and so Mm. um i've been doing pro-life since then and that brings us to what three years ago 
um, my brother, who is a philosophy grad from Biola University, and I were going to hang out for a week to try to write a book together. Oh, wow. um, we had this idea for a book, and so I'd rented this little conference room, and I'd swiped a marker board from the pro-life group I was working with at the time, <laughs> and we had our laptops out on this table um, in a room not much bigger than this. And uh, we worked on that for like half a day. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one. Right. We were just working on like the outline and the book proposal. And then one of us, probably Tim, made this observation that kind of stopped us cold. Hmm. And the observation was the pro-life movement's not known for its love. I kind of mm. thought about that for a while. It's like, that's really not good, you know? And then um, I'm guessing I probably added, we're not known for being a very thoughtful group of people either. Mm. That's so these, so. these are two really big problems if we're going to affect <laughs> culture, and we just started thinking about like what are the things that Tim and I are particularly good at, and what are the things that the pro life movement needs the most? Like what's either missing or hasn't been done that well yet, and and where do those things overlap? You don't want to just be doing the things you want to do. What are the things that you're really good at that are that are needed? Um, and trying to think of how that overlaps in a Venn diagram and that we spent the rest of that week thinking up Equal Rights Institute um, and kind of uh, what, what it is that we cared about. Um, and I'll just say one of the things that we cared about and then I'll stop talking and like ask a question or something. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we really cared about was like we knew this was going to be we'd be doing apologetics. Um, we cared about being practical. We love the nitty gritty. Like what are the, you know, out of the th- about 3,000 conversations Tim and I have had with pro-choice people, like what are the things we've learned from those things that we can help mm-hmm. other people to learn how to have good conversations, the things where – how do you create an environment, an atmosphere where people are more likely to change their mind um, as opposed to just the arguments? We also knew we wanted to talk about arguments, and we wanted, we, we wanted to be innovative and flexible in what we taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so like basically the premise is coming from the idea that people change. I think pro-choice college students today are different than they were five years ago, mm-hmm. having been on college campuses for longer than five years. Uh, and that really matters. That means that, like, so there's true arguments and false arguments. There's some, like, crappy pro-life arguments that we mm-hmm. shouldn't use, and I talk about those sometimes. Um, but there's also multiple true pro-life arguments, but not all of those true pro-life arguments will be equally persuasive. And we're really interested in what will actually connect Hmm. in pro-choice minds and and so when we go on to a college we go on to campuses all the time because that's our lab we love r&d we love <laughs> trying new things or new like twists on an old argument or new arguments or new uh kind of dialogue techniques to see what works and sometimes we try things that fail and sometimes we try things that work really really well and then that affects how we train kind of our tribe the people that are following us to see what is it we're learning so hopefully they can all have better conversations too hmm. wow all right, and that's our interview. I got so much more I could say. I, I'm stopping hey, myself. No, that's no, that's fine. Well, I'm sure we'll probably dive into it. And, and for anyone who doesn't understand the whole argument about po- apologetics, apologetics is basically just um, you're taking a persuasive point of view for anything. It could be religion, it could be sports, it can be yeah. anything. You, I mean, I can give you an apologetics on reason why Duke is the best basketball team ever. Well, you would obviously <laughs> be wrong, but, okay. uh, so, but I make no apology. But at this point, this would be so. So Brandon would be defending his view. It's all about defending right. your view, and then mm. you would defend your view of why Duke's not great. And I have no well, just, stake in they that. Suck. Game. I well, have no idea. <clears throat> and and I, I, this is probably the biggest time in my adult life that. Mm. I've seen a kind of a shift, a social shift in the hmm. Christian culture because um, you have people that are, are pro, staunchly pro-life, 
you have some Christians who are pro- staunchly pro-choice, yeah. and you have some in the middle yeah. that are pro-life, but also pro-choice. And I, yeah. I can speak from experience. I was probably that way up until a few weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. And but I'll I'll kind of do a roundabout to. I would some. love to hear about that. But um, and I think let's interview you now, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> this is about me. But, uh, but I think uh, what I, what I've noticed the transition in my life is you know probably when I, when I was younger, avid pro life. Yeah. Like you know, burn the burn the burn the places down. Let's Whoa. let's hold the graphic <laughs> images. You know, not pro life, but okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's let's hold the graphic images. Yeah. Let's you know try that fear tactic, right. that scare tactic, and the, and then. Uh, more from that to maybe more of a pro-choice because I didn't un- really understand my position on it. So sure. I was like, well, if I, it's better to offer it than not, yeah. you know? Um, and then my thirties, uh, a lot of my deconstruction as a, as a Christian to taking off those religious, you know, robes mm-hmm. and stuff that had been placed on me. I, I started having that, um, you know, I'm pro-life because mm-hmm. I, I acknowledge it, but I'm also pro-choice because of my political views. So that's where I kind of shifted. And then up until a few weeks ago when I heard a convincing argument by a young lady who had an abortion hmm. um, that she's come to the conclusion that it is wrong in, you know, you can't be for it. If you're like, for example, the Libertarian Party, we, we espouse the non-aggression principle. Right. Or there's other other thoughts of philosophy out there like the universal preferential behavior, things like that. It talks about basically harming another human. Yeah. And that's that's basically where I came about after hearing this right. lady speech, because it's not something that you just can't encounter every day like you. Right. It's one of those things. It's like you see it on TV, pops in your head, mm-hmm. whatever, and then you make a decision to move on. Yep. So it's not in the forefront like it was back in the nineties. Sure. Uh, I would say, but um, I guess a question I would have for you is, uh, so I, I'm I'm from what I understand here, you take a, a non-aggressive approach to basically making points of view and yeah. encountering and embracing people is that you first encounter them with love and then it's this weird balance, you know? Uh, so it's so easy to fall on one of those sides of like, you know, you're either going to be all truth or all love. And I mm-hmm. think, I think we're constantly trying to figure out how to walk that line best. I think mm-hmm. everyone talks about walking that line well. And, and I, I don't know if you ever really find it. It's, I think it's sort of like a work-life balance. You're always hopefully reassessing and figure out, okay, how are we doing right now? Um, and so, like, for example, so I'll say, like, uh, so there's a thing you said earlier that, like, for a lot of the people in the movement I'm coming from would be super offended by. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, when you talk about, like, graphic images and kind of the idea of, like, uh, a fear tactic. Um, I know a lot, like, so we, we don't put graphic images on science. This is actually one of the most controversial things about our organization within the pro-life movement. Like, this is such a debate. There's a lot of, like, internal pro-life movement debates that maybe a lot of people outside the movement don't know about. But this is a big one. Um, there are some people that would say that we are wimps. We are cowards for not putting truthful pictures of what abortion is on, on huge signs. Then there are other people that have, uh, that think that you should never do that. Um, but their arguments aren't very good either. Uh, they're not that convincing. Um, and we're kind of in this place in the middle where um, we'd never force them on people. So I so, so sort of, I guess, a non-aggressive approach. Um, we always get consent um, because a lot of the negative things that happen in the dialogue, uh, like we're very interested in the one-on-one dialogue kind of aspect. It's not as much like public debate. It's the one-on-one thing. 
And uh, a lot of the negative things that happen where like people get really mad at you, ironically, for showing them this picture. Like you should be more mad at what's in the picture, kind of thing. Right. Um, but like that's not the way people are. A lot of times, right. people get really, really upset. They're mad at you. They feel like you've kind of violated them in in some right. way. Um, and so we have them in a brochure, uh, and we get their consent first, and then we'll show them because I think sometimes people need to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like a fear tactic. It's more like like here's some truth data that'd be really helpful for you. But for some people. Uh, like people are really complicated basically. Uh, and conversations are complicated. So it's like we have this motto, every, every conversation is a series of difficult judgment calls Mm. and it's prayer without ceasing. Um, so sometimes we make a judgment call this person, like we should at least ask them if they'll, if they'll, it's very individual, it's very, very very individual because people are so different. Some people we're talking to have had an abortion experience within the last year. Mm. Sometimes I'm talking to philosophy major types who, you know, think they know everything now because they've gone through one year of philosophy. And I've, there's all kinds of utilitarians. I talk to so many utilitarians now um, and fewer relativists. Um, so, like, things are changing and interesting. But we're all trying to figure out, yeah, how do we kind of walk this line, this this truth love line? Um, and I think probably for outsiders watching, um, they might feel like we're friendlier uh, than at least who they've seen on TV. But, like, that wouldn't be that hard. A lot of times what you see on TV is, like, uh, you know, it's people with bull horns or whatever. It's like it's not where most kind of pro-life people doing campus outreach are are mm-hmm. at. Um, but we care about loving people. Um, but but loving people is complicated. It is sometimes yeah. loving people means making a really uh, kind of pointed argument uh, and like not kind of holding back, but saying like here here's what I think. Here's my cards on the table. Um, I think what you just said is grossly offensive. Sometimes that is the most loving thing you can do for <laughs> someone. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for them is just hear them, mm-hmm. and not even make an argument, but just hear them uh, because that's what they need that day. And your job is to figure out what does it mean to be Jesus to this person mm-hmm. today. So true. Um, I think one of the most effective things I've seen on YouTube or Facebook, or I can't remember where it's social media, I saw yeah. it on was uh, the campus approach where they're taking a laptop with a, with a uh, minimalistic video of what an actual abortion is. Mm-hmm. They, ask these, they ask general people, random people, you know, what's your view, pro-life, pro-choice? And yeah. all of them are pro-choice, okay? And then they watch a snippet of a video with with the headphones on and right. they hear the, the whole procedure. And then, of course, they ask afterwards, you know, what what's your stance now? And they're like, I th- I'd say probably ninety to ninety five percent of them are like, um, yeah, that's that's human life. So, I, I guess is the argument shifted now? Because uh, has the argument shifted down to where people are recognizing it as human life, or they're still calling it just a, a, a clump of cells? Because they used to be the yeah. big the big term, clump yeah. of cells, fetus. Great question. Yeah, I mean, is it changed at all? Or it has changed. It has changed a lot, but uh, so in this way. So I don't hear clump of cells on college campuses much anymore. Okay. Um, so like the part of the debate that's like the biologic. I'm sorry, the biological part of, of the debate, the scientific side of the debate. When does human life begin? That's not like it's just still like on like Facebook debate threads, but that's a whole different thing, you <laughs> sure. know. Uh, on college campuses, like every once in a while, we get people who still maybe are confused about like. Uh, when is it an organism like is, you know, are, are, are sperm and egg like that different from an embryo, like that kind of thing that certainly we get every once in a while, but like no one's like life begins at heartbeat, dude, like, like that kind of thing. Like we, we don't get that anymore. Um, most of the debate comes down to two big areas of disagreement. Um, and what's cool is on college campuses, we, we spend most of our time talking about those two things and not as much the kind of fringe things. One of them is 
is this human life valuable human life or not? Is this a person like you and me? Like, like you and I should have an equal right to life. Um, is Does the embryo go into that category or is it this other category like golden retrievers or something like that? Like maybe there's yeah. some value, but it's not like you and me. So there's that. It's kind of the, the, the personhood debate, the philosophical debate. And then there's also this, and this is becoming more and more um, common um, because it's taught in college campuses a lot, is this idea of maybe even if pro-lifers are right about personhood, she should still be able to have an abortion because it's her body. And that's where and her I, body. No, actually, that's so that's where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think that is the the the, the uh, like the most defensible pro-choice position. Sure. Like I don't look down on you at all or anything like that. Like there, there's a lot of really nuanced um, positions from pro-choice kind of philosophers about bodily rights. I disagree with them, but they're not all like stupid arguments or something like that. Well, I guess you know. Um, well, I don't know. Do you have anything? I guess <laughs> I JT's guess. gonna watch. Right? <laughs> I'm just I'm just hanging out. Uh, I guess when I, I started looking into philosophy, mm-hmm. libertarian philosophy, Socratic reasoning, mm-hmm. a few years back, um, I had that it's woman body choice. I, it's not really for me to legislate or you know basically whatever. Yeah. But then like I said that you just start using the um, some other philosophers and other things and determining that well that's a human body enacting uh, end of life on another human body. Right. You know, I guess that's kind of where I started my transition in mode. You have a question? Um, so you said that your parents took you to the uh, abortion clinic before you even had the talk. At what point did they give you the talk? Oh, man. <laughs> um, no one's ever asked me that before. I think I was 12. Good question. I think I was 12. So a year later, they decided, like here's how it happens. Yeah. But here's how to not make it. I don't it. remember. It might have been. <laughs> like, my memory is not so good. Uh, it, it certainly was after that. Um, but I don't know how much longer it could have waited. <laughs> you know, I certainly, like, I read a pro-life philosophy book. <laughs> uh, Dr. Francis Beckwith had written this, had just put out his first book on abortion called Politically Correct Death. And I, re- I didn't understand half of it, but I, I read it. Um, like, a lot of this is a this is a pretty adult topic, you know. And yeah. So, yeah. Politically so, correct death. That that's how apropos is that? Yeah. You know. So Beckwith is good at titles. Yeah. I got the 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 talk by my parents renting a vid, a cartoon video, and then <laughs> they sent me down in front of the VCR mm-hmm. and and the TV, and they said, "Here, watch this. Let <laughs> no. us know if you have any questions. We're going to go out in the back and garden." <laughs> Wow. Let's see. My my parents never gave me the talk. Really? You just had to figure it out on Skinamax. Well, my dad, in fact, both my wife and I were both virgins when we got married. So, Uh yeah, yeah, we had to to figure things out that day. But I had a lot of assumptions. Sure. And then, of course, the interwebs came around. So you got to kind of. Google things yeah. or whatever it was back in the day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was awkward. In that, in that awkward part, I don't mean to hijack the <laughs> entire thing, but like when, if you're a virgin going into your honeymoon, mm-hmm. I mean, you watch like hours and hours of game film mm-hmm. to get ready for that. Mm-hmm. So you know what to expect, mm-hmm. but you get on the field for the first time and yeah, it's a little different and it's a completely different ball game. It, it ain't like the films. Oh no. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun adventure though. You get to, you, you get to find out a lot of things together and it's pretty cool. It's, but, and it's, it's equally awkward and equally embarrassing right that's what i, I, I that, that's the, the speech i'm preaching to my daughter now is that she is valuable enough for another man to you know to save herself right. for another another man that 
you don't have to keep batting around the other teams. You know what I'm saying? You just yeah. stick with it. But it feels like you're you're going to the Super Bowl and you've never played it down in your life. <laughs> but you, you know, know I like, think, what am I doing? I think it's the I think I fumbled that ball so many times. Oh no, I, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, I think uh, I think that's one thing. Hearing from you, hearing from you, and knowing my experience of right. not knowing, you and know. I had I had to learn from friends, yeah. you know, basically from hearing conversations and using my reasoning. <laughs> but ideal. why why do, why do Christians do that? Why why do Christian families are they so scared yeah. of talking to kids yeah. about that? You know, most of my education I learned from the back of a school bus, yeah. which is not a good idea. No, not yeah. at all. See, yeah. like I'm I'm feeling bad for both because I feel like like my parents handle this really well. Like, no. like the, the talk itself, I think I thought they handled really really well. Mm. Um, I, had and, to, I had to have the conversation with my kid at nine because mm. that's when questions started coming up. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I wanted her to learn properly instead of. You know, street lingo. <laughs> so, what I don't understand why why Christian families do that mm. so bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like if we shelter them more, maybe they won't happen. I mean, right? I think I think there's like this there, there's this urge to preserve innocence. Like like we feel oh, like yeah, innocence is a, is a good thing, and I think like there's it, truth to that. There is, but they will have a conversation about abortion before they do sex. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that was a little different. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, sure. I, I think both things were good for me to be learning about uh, about that age. Sure. I mean, like, so I, I'm, I guess I fall into the same category. So my eight year old son now, uh, just recently, I told him more about what I do. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, all they understood was that daddy helps what they called the basketball babies. <laughs> which, okay, which is like what, this is what happened what? during our last pregnancy because my wife. Uh, when she gets pregnant, it just all goes oh, straight okay. out forward. Oh, wow. So it looks like there's a basketball oh, under okay. his shirt. And so they started calling... Basketball, baby. They're called their basketball. That's completely baby. different so what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I don't even know what you're thinking. Uh, <laughs> we don't probably want to know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so all they, like, like, all they understood was that dad helps the basketball babies. They had no idea what that means. And so I, I recently sat down with Noah. And I and I explained to him this this idea. That, mm-hmm. You know, there are some people that they don't want the basketball baby. And... <laughs> And they and, and and they kill them. And what I'm trying to do is trying to help convince people that we shouldn't do that. And it's just like it seemed like it, it was good for him to have a better understanding of what's going on. And you know, sure. he didn't have a lot of questions, but mm-hmm. like now he knows more. I haven't had the sex talk with him yet, so. Well, if he needs a video, I can probably find. A copy of it. <laughs> I'll let you know if that's the direction I want to go. But don't hold your breath. Uh, by the way, I did find it on on Amazon. It's where where did I come from? I uh, found it on Amazon for like ninety nine cents. Hmm. So it's not available it for prom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get it next day. So just oh. in case you need it, it's right there. <laughs> um, so w- one of the questions that I guess we were kind of alluding to is what is the differences from five years ago to now about college campuses? Yeah. And and you brought up the, you know. So bodily rights arguments right. are, are certainly more present. Um, like the, the, the best version of bodily rights arguments. Um, which my friend Trent Horn calls the right to refuse argument, um, which uh, some you might like. You're you're kind of a philosophy reader guy, so I'd be like, where Judith Jarvis Thompson's violinist analogy, like like it's that whole thing, like that's taught in most philosophy one on one classes, even like community colleges. It's one of the best pro choice arguments, and it's taught everywhere. And so we hear that a lot, just because like they've already been exposed to it. 
Um, so we can have kind of deep, kind of philosophical conversations about that, and that can be really helpful for them. I'd rather deal with the hardest arguments when we're face to face than like right. deal with you know dumb arguments and have them Google it the next day and be like, oh, here's this other thing. I guess I'm still pro-choice. Like, let's talk about it now. So, can you maybe talk about the violence? Sure. In, in this so, so, so the idea is so it gets a little involved depending on how far you want to go with this. I do whole lectures on this, but uh, the the idea is that um, even if it's a person, a woman should be able to write have the right to abort because we shouldn't force people to be plugged into other people for like life support so thompson's thought experiment i've seen multiple thought experiments this is she wrote this two years before roe versus wade like Mm -hmm. this isn't a new argument Mm -hmm. but we hear it more now um but the idea was like you wake up in a hospital bed and it's not where you went to sleep. And so that, you know, you notice there's a tube coming out of your body going into the a guy in the coma next to you. And then the head of the hospital rushes in and says, you're awake. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let me explain what's going on. This is so unjust. I'm so sorry. Here's what's going on. Okay. The guy in the coma is a world-famous violinist with a kidney problem. And you're a kidney match. And you were kidnapped by the Society of Music Lovers. Hmm. who somehow figured out that you're a kidney match. And so they kidnapped you, they hooked you up, and they brought you here. And man, this is so wrong. But the problem is this. The violinist, he's a person. He's got the right to life. We can't unplug you or he'll die. But the good news for you is you only have to be plugged in for nine months. All right? And then you'll you'll be viable. We can unplug you and go your merry ways. And most people, I think, rightfully agree that even if it would be like it would be this like very generous thing to remain hooked up, you shouldn't be legally forced to. I don't think you should be legally forced to be hooked up to the violence, nor do any pro-life philosophers that I'm aware of. Um, some people kind of end up in different areas of like what do they think about like moral obligations and things like that. But do you what? find it do you find it offensive that it's not a keyboardist? Not no. a violinist. No, okay. I don't. <laughs> Sorry, it's I don't. Um, it, yeah, no, not. It doesn't okay. really make any difference to me. They're both people, uh, and so uh, the, the idea is, you know, if if pro life people like me would agree, there shouldn't be like a violinist amendment to the Constitution. This is like we're, we're going to handcuff you to the bed if this happens. Um, then it seems like people like me should be forced to say that maybe abortion is morally wrong, but it should still be legal. That's the idea. We shouldn't force people to be hooked up to other people. Mm. Um, and the like super oversimplified kind of response. There's a, there's a few major problems with the with the thought experiment. Um, there are some problems that pro life people bring up that I don't think are that persuasive. But the I think what, the important distinctions are one. Um, this argument doesn't work for 99% of abortions um, because of what we call the responsibility objection. A big difference between the violinist story and pregnancy. In the violinist story, you are kidnapped. That is not how most pregnancies begin, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the idea would be that when when you have consensual sex, you're, we're talking about sex a lot today. Yeah, we are. When you have consensual sex, you're engaging in an act we that you know hello time <laughs> that you know might result in the creation of an inherently needy child, mm-hmm. and you owe compensation too. So, like, quick idea: um, imagine there's a room with a baby making machine in it. Mm-hmm. You, it's like a Coke machine. You, there's a big button, and if you push the button, you have a very pleasurable experience. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, but there's a shoot at the bottom and every once in a while, a kid's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Right. And if a guy pushes the button, not wanting a baby to come out, he's kind of rolling the dice mm-hmm. and a baby does come out. He can't walk. He can't like just leave it to die. He can't bash mm-hmm. his brains in. Why? Because he pushed the button. Mm-hmm. He engaged in an act that he knew might result in the creation of an inherently needy child. That he, mm-hmm. Which means, so he either needs to take care of it or he needs to transfer that care to someone else. That's fine. But he can't just leave. Okay. So. 
that means the violence argument doesn't work for a 99% of, of, of abortions that are not in the case of rape. Right. But obviously that argument won't work in the case of rape. Um, a couple of other important distinctions here, though, are like the idea of um, – like I think Thompson's actually biggest failure in her paper and she's – like I no disrespect to Thompson, like very smart philosopher who did a really hard thing of coming up with thought experiments, about, uh, thought experiments about pregnancy that aren't that weird. Because uh, thought experiments about pregnancy are always weird because pregnancy is just weird. There's nothing right. in our universe like pregnancy. Um, and she did a really good job, but I think she failed in that she, her argument and all bodily rights arguments end up pretending that abortion is just like withdrawing treatment and it's not as killing. Mm. It's different. Um, no one thinks you should be able to hack up the violinist with a machete. Mm-hmm. Um, they just think you should be able to unplug. Well, abortion is not like unplugging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's killing. And this is where a lot of times images of abortion can actually be helpful in helping people see, like, it's not just this clean little unplugging from a violinist thing. Like, it's pretty gruesome stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. but there's so much more that we could say about it. So that's one area. The other main area of difference that I'm seeing personally but I've got, I, I want to be careful here. This is, you know, it's, it's anecdotal. It's, it's a lot of experiences, but like what I'm personally noticing, um, and it happens to make sense with what I would have predicted anyway, or what I did predict is I'm talking to, and I mentioned this earlier, I'm talking to fewer moral relativists. Mm-hmm. This is like this, you know, it's true for you, but not true for me thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to fewer of those people and talking to a lot more utilitarians mm-hmm. because utilitarianism makes more sense. It is just a better view. It's still wrong, <laughs> but it's it makes a lot more sense. And it's taught in a whole lot of like TV shows and movies. Every time Jack Bauer ever tortured someone, mm-hmm. it's because of utilitarian reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, one, so, one life to save 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you seeing a lot of, well, I guess your approach, but maybe not, but the, the triggering, because that seems to be a popular word for the yeah. 2016 yeah. and 17. Yeah. Um, you see some of the videos that you know, mm-hmm. for Facebook, whatever people just setting up the the uh, sandwich boards out there with mm-hmm. the the, uh, the, like the masks on and stuff like that. Well, the gru- also the gruesome pictures and things like that. Oh, okay. And you it. see people run up and just like yeah, just uh, Chuck Norris, you know, high karate in them, yeah. and then you know engage in a very nasty conversation. Yeah. Obviously, your approach isn't the same way. Yeah. So we so so, 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 so we don't attract as much. Anger, just because we don't put graphic pictures on on the big signs, but uh, so we still attract some anger. We just haven't had anything at that level. the The worst it's gotten for us was at UC Davis last spring. Um, we we had set up. It was actually this kind of a funny thing where. Um, we showed up on this campus. We're going to be there for two days doing an outreach. So an outreach for us, we don't have like a cool-looking exhibit right now. We just do a basic poll table. We're just trying to attract people to come talk to us. You so a we'll poll have a table? Poll table. So what oh. we do is we'll set up a table with a sign on it with a question. The question changes. But a lot of times something like, should abortion remain legal? Should it be legal up to 20 weeks? Something like that. And then we'll have a yes option, a no option, and an it depends option. And people can come up and, and participate in the poll. It's not a real poll. I just want people to come up and talk to us. That's all, <laughs> that's, 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 that's all it is. Can um, I suggest an actual pool table and, <laughs> pool and play table. pool? That'd be a little bit That would be interesting. Be be, but I'm, so I'm, I will try just about anything. My question is <laughs> going to be, am I going to have more conversations this way or fewer? Because we're having so much fun playing pool. But uh, I'm open to try just about anything. It'd be hard to get onto the campus. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, but they do have again, like, have you seen the life-size pool tables? 
where you See, like there you it's go. like a kick and like mm. you know soccer there might, and you cook there you there might be something here. there might be some kind of a, a, an analogy we can pull but probably not um <laughs> so we said the stable and there were actually pro-choice protesters there before we arrived on campus they were so on the ball they had already been tipped off that we were going to be there so mm. it was weird so we showed up at like 8 a.m to set up at there's this flagpole in this quad area at uc davis and like hundreds of yards away but kind of like the halfway point between the parking lot and 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 that spot there's like three or four protesters that got their signs my body my choice whatever um and umbrellas and i'm like that's weird it's like a sunny day and like in the spring like whatever all right maybe i want to like you know make sure they don't get it in a tent or whatever sunburn, like whatever sunburn, yeah. you know sunburn and they're under a big tree though it's weird so we set up no protesters at our spot which we'd, we which we scattered out the the, the 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 day before and so we set up our stuff and then we look down the opposite direction. There's some more protesters with umbrellas and signs. Like, what's going on? It turns out what happened was they they had assumed that we were bringing big, big graphic signs. And so they were telling everyone that walked by, do you need an umbrella escort? We can, like, walk by here with an oh, umbrella yeah. like Penguin from Batman. Like, we can, <laughs> like, protect you from the scary images and right. you cannot be triggered and we can make this a safe space. Uh, and I'm like, no one, I didn't see one person take them up on it. Everyone's like, I'm fine. Yeah. And then they see our pool table. Like, we had words on science. That's all it was. Um, so they look kind of silly. Uh, wow. But eventually they figured out what our deal was. And then they ended up kind of moving in closer. And eventually they were basically blocking our our dis- our, our table. It, 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 they, they were, like, just far enough from it that the admin wouldn't kind of crack down on them. But they, they became very, very intimidating. There was, like, 15 or 20 at one point. And it, like people didn't want to come talk to us because there's this like line that it's almost like a picket line that they'd mm. have to kind of cross. And they were yelling and being noisy and, and stuff. And eventually, while I was having a conversation, and I'm literally sitting on our pool table because I end up doing that a lot because I'm tall. I'm kind of a tall guy, and I don't like lording my height over short women <laughs> I'm talking to. So I was kind of sitting on our table, and this woman, one of the protesters, storms into the table and just starts vandalizing all of our stuff. Like she threw all of our <laughs> stuff to the ground, and, and it just became this really kind of intense thing. And everyone's cheering her on and it's just kind of it got kind of scary um campus security wouldn't do anything it was just it was a pretty but once again it's nothing like what some other people like ben sapiro um have experienced i haven't experienced anything like that i think partly because i'm less controversial so i'm just this what is it a week ago yeah like a week ago i'm in the northwest i'm in washington state to do uh, a couple of different talks and i was doing two talks at universities northwest super liberal Mm-hmm. Uh, like there are all these people like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to get pretty crazy, you know? And so, yeah. and I was doing two talks on bodily rights arguments, um, which I like because if pro-choice people come, they're going to get a lot out of, uh, uh, they're going to get a lot out of it. If pro-life people come, they'll maybe understand these arguments for the first time. It's a win-win. Um, and so I do these talks and yet, and sure enough, pro-choice people came to both lectures and except for one exception who was mildly rude, but not that bad. Everyone was so respectful. Hmm. Um, I kind of started off by saying, I'm really hoping that pro-choice people, you have lots of questions for me because I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm not expecting you to change your mind today, um, but I would like to present some arguments I think are more interesting um, responding to your best arguments than I've ever heard before and that I'd love to hear from you. So I kind of set it up in a nice way and then I did my lecture. It's all philosophical and, and careful. And then like 
uh, you know, first girl raised her hand and says, I'm way pro-choice, but thank you for coming. This was so interesting. This whole thing, this happened at both universities. Almost everyone's super respectful. And then a ton of questions. It was like 45, 60 minute like debate sort of between me and like five or six pro-choice people. But like, uh, because I'm so different from, you know, I'm, I'm not Matt Walsh. I'm just, I'm just not. And, uh, Matt is a lot more interesting. He get in a sense, like he gets a lot more blog post views than I do. Cause he's, you know, he's a lot he's, snarkier than he's I am. He's bringing the fire. I'm they, not a yeah. snarky person. I, 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 we, we want to be, uh, you know, careful with the language that we use sure. and, and, and stuff like that. And that's just not as, it's not clickbaity. A lot of pro-lifers, what mm-hmm. they want is the, you're going to call pro-choice people idiots and pro-aborts and make them look dumb. Like, and, that, yeah. and that's going to give them this good feeling of the day. And you're not going to find that on our blog. Um, and so, but because I'm not that, I go to really liberal places. Um, and if the, if, if, if the, the pro-choice people, to their credit, have decided they're going to listen to me first before they start a ruckus. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, they're neutralized. They're like, "This was really respectful and, and kind," and uh, and I've got inter- I've got questions for him. So I, I think this is a good direction to go. But again, it's not as uh, I, it, it doesn't tend to get as many clicks. That's <laughs> just fine. Yeah, I mean, like I think sensationalism is those guys. Mm-hmm. That's their mo. You know, like yeah. I think Stephen Crowder, you know, makes some excellent points. Yeah. In, in your face, but essentialism. And Ben Shapiro does. Like, I, I, I mentioned Shapiro. I, I like Shapiro more than most of those yeah. guys. Like, yeah. I, I agree with a lot of the things he says, but there's a little bit of an edge also that, that comes sure. uh, from that. And yeah. I, I think, I mean, I like Shapiro too. I like hearing him speak, and, and especially not just on that topic, but yeah. other topics too. But uh, it's that sensationalism, that fire branding that kind of draws it, you know, draws uh, the, the, the ire from other sides and stuff like that. And so. the question is, is what is best for us? So for those of us that are not Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh or Josh sure. Brown, mm-hmm. what is best for us to um, let in? Mm-hmm. Like, what should we, we be reading? What po- kinds of podcasts should we be listening to? Because my personal view um, after like like and I see this one like when I read like Facebook comments like it's interesting reading the comments on different pro life blogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you build an audience and that uh, that audience reflects you a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'll see there are a lot of pages where the comments are just gross. Mm-hmm. It's just savage and mean and brutal. And that's not all, like only the fault of necessarily like whoever's th- that that website is or or, or, or whatever, but. I think a lot of times, like people come to, uh, they learn from you, and they end up kind of reflecting you. And I, I think people's souls are harmed when mm-hmm. they when they take in too much of the um, the angry. The other side are all idiots. Like if if you listen to anyone who thinks that everyone else who disagrees with them are idiots, you should not be listening to that person because that person one doesn't understand the other side well enough. They're really smart pro-choice people. I could name off like five or six right now. They're really really intelligent, um, and and that we should be thinking about their arguments. Um, so one, they don't understand the other side, which means like it's it's harder to, for them to even defend their. How do they know that they're right if they haven't even heard the best that the other side has to offer? You can't just respond to the stupid memes from the other side like like (laughs) that's meaningless um and they're not being intellectually honest and they're not being charitable to the other side and so i i i i I end up reflecting the people that i listen to and so i'm a lot choosier now even like now in the last couple weeks i'm with this process still filtering people out of my facebook news feed i don't need to see the anger and meanness and arrogance Mm -hmm. um on facebook because i end up sometimes wanting to reflect that because i have my weak moments where i'm also feeling yeah frustrated or arrogant or whatever and i don't need more of that. who'd ever thought there was so many 
philosophers, theologians, and political science majors on Facebook. You know? Right. Well, Everyone's an armchair philosopher. That's right. I filter out all the people by the number of pictures of their kids that they post. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I hear you. To that. Um, in, Amer- in a culture, I, I think this is probably mostly global, uh, especially here in America, with as, as pet-friendly as we are, mm. um, why is it people would bemoan and, and cry out over um, an elephant in Euro mm, versus a baby in Euro. Yeah, it's mm. a really good question. Like how many? Pe- I wonder how many people watched the April cam, April giraffe cam. Oh I yeah, you saw the Facebook that giraffe. I don't know what that is. This for like sixty days straight. This giraffe was in labor. It's people, a sixty day labor. I don't know how many it, days. It, it was felt quite, like forever. It, yeah, and <laughs> and at one point, I know like there was like sixty six thousand people watching for watching all weekend just to see this this baby, yeah, of a baby draft get born. Yeah. And like people love babies, except when they're human. Yeah, like what? Yeah, I guess what? Why, why is that in our culture? I mean, you know what I'm saying yeah. like yeah, yeah, you, 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 you puppies in Euro, kittens mm-hmm. in Euro, tigers in Euro. I mean, you've pandas. Yeah, anything, in, but when it comes to a, a baby in utero, it's not recognized as that. Yeah, so I think there's there's multiple things going on. Um, so I, 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 it's, it's a great and complicated question, and I'm going to give an oversimplified response. But here's a few things I think that are going on. So there's one thing that's going on. The more that Tim and I and, and our other people on staff, like Jacob, and um, like the more we talk to approach people, the more we become amazed at the ability of the human be- being to believe what it wants to believe. Hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't think this is true of all pro-choice people, but I do think that some pro-choice people are pro-choice primarily because they want to be pro-choice and they, and, and they've gone through a process that we do this too, by the way, this is just pro-choice people, but everyone does this. Um, but they've gone through a process where they've um, said to themselves, whatever they had to say to end up, they, they, they know the view they want to end up with at the end. Mm-hmm. So they've they've kind of built this wall. They've they've they like we've gotten to them, and they already have this wall up. This is why sometimes graphic pictures don't even work; they just bounce off because mm-hmm. they've already kind of like sort like the Christian language would be hard in their hearts. Um, their their moral compass doesn't work anymore because they've been saying for years maybe it's not a baby, it's not a baby, it's it's, it's not a baby. Her body, her her choice, her body, her choice, her body, her choice. Pro-lifers are mean. Pro-lifers are mean. Pro-lifers are mean. Like whatever they had to say, mm-hmm. um, and now they believe this thing. And sometimes you can find areas where there's this weird uh, contradiction. Um, and I think there is contradiction um, sometimes in the way that, like the way that people value animals. I mean, I talk to extreme animal rights activists sometimes like, and I can find common ground with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I, I, like, I do not think chicken, cow, ch- chickens and cows are morally equal to humans, but I do think that <laughs> they you. feel pain. Yeah. And I think that morally matters. Which means that that should affect how we treat them. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about the way we do factory farms in the U.S. I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I, my wife and I are still in a conversation to try to figure out how we can um, adjust our lives in a way that seems to, to be uh, more respectful of that fact or something like that. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an ongoing thing. Um, I don't think that killer whales and dolphins should be in SeaWorld at this point. I've mm. been, I've, my mind's been changed about that because of the kinds of things that they can do. I think that, that that morally matters. I still do not think that humans and animals are equal, though. And so, and most people agree, um, but you have to, like, 
ask them the right questions. So I'm on a train one time uh, going from Bakersfield to Fresno with this guy. I had just done this outreach. And so I'm just thinking about this outreach and we're talking. We talked about what he does first. He had this big old textbook on robotics. He wants to make the first artistic robot. So that's like hmm. the team he wants to get on. So we talked about that for a while. Talked about like iRobot and the three laws of robotics and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then he asked me about what I do and I told him about this outreach. So I told him this thing I noticed like th- that weekend. Like I've talked to people of all faiths and, and mostly like atheists and, and agnostics, but I talked to all kinds of very different people and almost everyone I talked to agrees there's something special about humans. And he said, oh, no, 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 my, my girlfriend would disagree with you. And I said, really? You know, and he's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll prove it to you. If C ever accidentally kills a bug, C has a moment of silence. <laughs> And I thought about that for a second. And I said, I don't think I don't think she thinks humans and animals are the same. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. If she ever accidentally ran over a kid, mm-hmm. she wouldn't just have a moment of silence, right? Right? Like it would at least wreck her day. Like, it'd probably be the worst thing that ever happened to her. But it's not just she's not going to like get out of her car and like namaste and move on. It's going to be a an event. You know, it's going to be a thing. It's going to happen. Um, and 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 he was like, dude, that's how Californians yeah. talk. Like, this is really what happened. He said, dude. And he just thinks for like 15 seconds. He's like processing. He says, I think you might be right. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to her about that today. I'm sure it's a great, I'm sure it's a great evening for, for, they broke, for they that. They probably broke yeah. up. Yeah. He was on the couch that night, I'll guarantee you. <laughs> they made it Facebook official, single. <laughs> they made it Facebook official. Um, so, so sometimes you just have to ask kind of the right questions. Like I, I think it's, it's easy to kind of – it's like that thing that one of you said earlier today. It's really good. It's like we, we don't think a lot always about the views that we end up with. Like we, we see – at worst, just some bumper stickers. Or maybe at best, we read a couple of articles or we're affected by what our friends think, our pastor thinks, whatever, mm-hmm. our parents. Um, and we kind of go that way. Um, or, or our political side. Like, what do all the, mm-hmm. the, the libertarians think? All right, I'll think that. Or what do all the Republicans think? I'll go with that. Or whatever. And instead, what I want to do is, like, like I, I'm not defined very much by my political party. I'm defined, like, you got to ask me about each topic individually because mm. I'm in the process. This way I'm finished, but I'm in a process trying to figure out, like, what should I think about each individual topic? Republicans have some dumb things to say about a lot of issues. Mm, right. Democrats have a lot of dumb things to say about a lot mm. of it. So i got to try to figure out, like, who who makes the most sense here and kind of kind of go that direction. But it, Anyway, the, 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 the point is, like, we can find some common ground, but we want to kind of push, like, should we really think that humans and animals are equal? Um, it seems pretty obvious mm. at, like, a, a, an, an instinctive level, at an intuitive level, um, that they're not equal. And we can, you know, we, we, we can have those, those kinds of conversations. Yeah, I think one of the <clears throat> switching, switching questions on this, I think, what's that church that is just the, the wacko church? That, uh, Westboro Baptist Church. Westboro. So yes. they're kind of known for being crazy wackos, yeah. crazy signs, bombing. You know, encouraging. Bombs. I don't think. I don't, have they or, encouraged they? bombings? Well, I don't think so. Maybe, I like they. They hold misspoke. awful, awful signs. Yeah, awful, awful signs. God takes like soldiers. God, like soldiers. Right. God yeah. yeah. And so the you're almost kind of the antithesis of that. Like you want to show love and yeah. compassion. What are some things that? Um, that you specifically say, here's how we show you love. Cause I'm, hmm. I'm, I'd like that aspect. Yeah. I don't think that we should get in Facebook debates or hold weird, nasty signs or things like that. Like how do we show love to people? And so yeah. how does your organization do that? 
Yeah, it's a good question. So, so as I said earlier, it's like sometimes it means listening instead of making an argument. Isn't that crazy? Like, why can't Christians just listen for <laughs> so, daggum minutes? So, so that Cause, thing because the moral high ground clause. You know, they think uh, that they have, <laughs> they think they have the Old Testament, New Testament, the KJV. Right. They Old listen King to Bible. Jimmy. Yeah, they, uh-huh. they listen to Bi- uh, the uh, BBS in school. They they had the they had the moral. Well, because the felt board said so. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They got the church cookies if they got the right answer. That's right. So that the thing that happened on the train with that guy that that outreach that I was at. So the day before that, I'm I'm hanging out. I'm in front of a very tall, very graphic exhibit that I was volunteering for that organization. They just do things differently, and we have a lot of respect for them. They're really, really good people. We just have a different kind of strategy. Um, and I could I could see her coming from like fifty yards away, mm-hmm. like see at the other end of this really open kind of outside area. She was there. She was with her partner, I think, um, whom I, I'm assuming was her partner locked eyes she locked eyes yeah. with me and she was like full force Human. you know yep. and just real and she was yelling at me before she got there so would be like <laughs> if you got on your mixer and you're like fading up my mic right. it's kind of like that um and she was so upset and so i just listened to her for for a long time and <laughs> and eventually like she calmed down a little bit but she's still upset. But she's like, she opened up eventually about, mm-hmm. and she had a lot of reasons. She hated men and she hated pro-lifers and I was both. And so like, I mean, there's a lot to not to like. <laughs> but there's a, lot a of reason why she hates men. She eventually told me about how her dad abused her. He beat mm-hmm. the hell out of her. Mm-hmm. So like, and it's just really, so like, she opened up and I made almost zero pro-life arguments to her. Mm-hmm. I didn't make zero. I remember making one. Um, and I remember I also jumped in with the clarification. This one time she said something like, you pro-lifers don't want to like, you know, kill you know, abortion doctor. It's like, no, 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 no. It's so, so not true. Let's check that. At the we're way. pro-life, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I've heard that argument before because you right. have like two, two, three guys that are just total nut jobs. It's, couple, it's, 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 it's just like Westboro really, Baptist. Really uh-huh. They really, call really themselves a Christian church. They call themselves Baptist, but yeah. come on. Anybody yeah. that thinks they're Christian, it's like a family of 12. Or yeah. eighteen or something. It's something stupid. Like Forty now. It's because the it's kids like all, have a lot the, of kids. It's all the inbreeding. Yeah, all that. I mean, I, I've ran into them. At, I've ran into them at motorcycle runs and, and rallies, mm. and they'll be protesting. Or like we'll be riding for a funeral on a soldier or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and they'll be protesting out there. These people are just vile human beings. Yeah, I, the, they, I'm pretty they, sure Christ. Again, see, this comes back to that thing I was saying before, though. Like the the guy who was in charge until he died recently. Like you listen to him talk. This is what they were bringing in twenty four seven. I don't know what would happen to me, and I'm a pretty yeah. dang nice guy. Yeah. I don't know what would happen to me yeah. if I sat under that kind of teaching. Well, mm-hmm. if you if you everywhere. ate chocolate if you ate chocolate pudding twenty four seven for three sixty five, careful, you'd probably be diabetic. Careful. Where was I going with that? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you talking about me? <laughs> I like chocolate pudding. I wasn't going there. So. Anyway, where were we? Uh, were we talking this about? This is our show. Oh, we wow. No okay, so 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 Organized one thing. Wreck. So here's the point. So that the, the girl, I made almost zero arguments. I just heard her, and at the end, this interesting thing happened at the end of the conversation. This guy walks up, like he's got this great mark. He's going to become like rich because he's bought some Hershey bars and he's selling them for like triple the price. Mm-hmm. Like that outside guy. in the son like whatever <laughs> like I, he's like we want to buy you with three dollar taco bars and i'm like not without some cold milk thank you i don't do that and she offered to buy one for me mm. um, and that wouldn't have happened if my approach had been like okay here she comes yelling at me and i'm like let's go you mm. know come bring it like that yeah. kind of thing i wouldn't have been that i heard her she felt heard because that day i could tell 
um, that she didn't need an argument. She needed someone to love her. And, yeah. and loving, again, loving people is complicated. Yeah. And that time, I think it was the best thing to not make an argument. But there are some people where loving them means making an argument. The more obvious area where, like, uh, if you, like w- when we talk about, you know, wanting people to, like, the pro-life movement to be known for its love. Um, like what, what, like, okay, what, like what's going on like behind the scenes of that mm-hmm. sentence is like, what would it look like if Jesus talked to a pro yeah. person? Yeah. Like, what would that look like? What would his body language be like? What kinds of questions would he ask? What would he not ask? Um, and what would it sound like when he made arguments that are grounded in truth, but are like, he's not holding back from the truth, but they're spoken with gentleness and reverence and grace. What would that look like? And so something that I care a lot about um, is this idea, and, and we use the phrase, we're not the ones who coined this phrase, we use the phrase relational apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, other people talk about relational evangelism, so we're purposely not talking about that because for the most part we're not having super religious conversations, um, but still being relational. Um, I st- first started thinking about this, um, I spent about a year, like six years ago, I think, and of like one of those, like, you know, like some Facebook groups are like secret and private, like they're hidden, mm-hmm. like you can't even find them, you can't search them. I was in one of those for with a, for about a year. For the most part, for the most time, with about 20 people just debating abortion. There were like five pro-lifers, about 15 pro-choice people. Um, and we spent a year. It was the first time I had ever spent more than a couple hours with a pro-choice person. Hmm. Um, and that was a really important experience for me because I got to know them. I still mm-hmm. remember them. I still remember a lot of them by name. Jessica and Ronnie and and Kara and, and Kira and, and, and these different people that um, we came to like each other. We came to get to know each other and got really personal um, and, uh, and so we weren't just like avatars, you know, <laughs> but a lot of the time we were talking about abortion and, um, that was important for me. And then after that, I, I came to think like, what would it look like yeah. if pro-life people were friends with pro-choice people? <laughs> like, what would that look like? What if, what, what if you had, you know, atheists or pro-choice people or whoever over to your house so often that they have refrigerator rights, you know what I mean? Where they right. could just like grab a Coke and then like not ask and it's not right. weird. Like what, what, what could our lives look like? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I, I think a, a large part of my life uh, moving forward, I've spent years doing this, but I have so much more to learn, is 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 being friends with pro-choice people and learning, just like we do in our dialogues on campuses, what are the things that are helping those relationships work? Um, uh, to, because it's hard, you know. Uh, mm. Again, my, one of my main friendships was, was, was with someone who identified when we began our friendship as an – uh, as a pro-choice atheist lesbian in Canada. It's like, there's a lot of differences. Uh, it's like, how do you make that into this? Like where, um, where she became one of my closest friends. How do you become friends with somebody from Canada? See, That's and this was my part. joke. Um, my joke on stage was you'd think we'd have a lot uh, – you, you wouldn't think we'd have much in common being that she's from Canada. Right, yeah. And, you know, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it worked hey. really well because yeah. it, it, we had enough in common. Uh, we, we both liked philosophy. Um, we both had a similar kind of sense of humor. Um, we had similar thoughts on a lot of issues, and we both wanted uh, to, like, to try this weird thing out. Where we went just from like debating over email to becoming friends and skyping for hours at a time and uh, like like sees my friend mm-hmm. um, and and now uh, she identifies not as a lesbian but as a transgender person so she would say he now is a whole complicated thing but um, still my friend yeah. still really 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 love this person yeah um, and it doesn't matter that he or she depending on what, what your mm-hmm. thoughts are became pro life uh, that's true but that doesn't 
matter, or at least like mostly pro-life. Like it depends on how you define that word. But uh, like, like, I think it's just important for us to love people. Yeah. It's a good in and of itself. Yeah. Um, for someone to try to be Jesus, to meet them where they are and pro-choice people or and, yeah. and whatever. And I would love to see, like, but like th- this is the kind of thing I can't fix this all on my own. Mm-hmm. We need everyone. We need all the Christians and all the pro-life people doing this. Right. You need to have we, at least one or two friends who are atheists or pro-choice or whatever. Um, and, and seeing, uh, like having that affect us, um, helping us see what, like, you know, I mean, Jesus is way more different from us than we are from like an atheist lesbian mm-hmm. in Canada. Uh, like, like, uh, like Jesus it's good for us to try to identify, like, like, like learn more about what does it look like to love someone outside of our echo chamber, right. outside of our political party, outside of our church, whatever. I think it's also good because you build so much trust and rapport in that kind of situation that like you can't have in a couple hours on a college campus. Mm. You can have, you can, you can talk about all the arguments because you can have unlimited numbers of basically like sit down at Starbucks and have coffee and talk about the things, but they but they already know you're a good person. They know you like, I don't hate women or whatever. Um, and maybe they know that I'm thoughtful and that makes a pretty powerful chord. Sure. And yeah. so that's, that's part of my heart for the pro-life movement. I want to see us become more like so Jesus. Basically, so basically Christians quit being buttholes. Yeah, that, that's a, that's, see, we thought about that as our tagline when we were working on the mission statement, but yeah. then we went with this other thing. But yeah, <laughs> as runner up, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> runner up. Yeah. So, like, how do you change the the pro life movement, like, to be yeah. more like that? I think that's yeah, you know, it's key. That's yeah. that's huge. You know. So a lot of it, I, I think, some of it is leading by example. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's interesting. Like, so when I do speeches on relational apologetics, like, there's this there's this side of me. Like kind of more the philosophical jerk side of me that wants to just make coherent arguments about why we ought to do this. And mm-hmm. I feel like that ought to be enough. But what I hear from audiences is, no, it's me talking about uh, Deanna, who became Andrew, like telling stories like that, like like helping people, it, it, stories connect with people. Mm. Um, and so uh, I'm going to spend a lot of time um, having these friendships, partly because stories are helpful, but also, again... This is how we learn how to do things well. Like I, I just reached out to a new, I, I think a new pro-choice friend just a couple of days ago um, that I met in Washington State when I was on that trip. And I'm not going to talk very much about it because I don't know what's, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But I reached out. And it was funny. I, I was writing like not my introductory email, but once she said, yeah, I'd like to talk more. Like I, I had written out like this. I drafted out kind of my next email and then I deleted almost all of it and started <laughs> over because I realized like I don't think I'm going about this the right way. Yeah. But I only know about that because I've made that mistake before. And it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, 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 I'm, I'm doing that dumb thing again. OK, so it's, it's learning through lots of actual experiences of doing it. And then yeah. in our case, you know, kind of building a platform, building a tribe of people following our works so that they can learn what we're learning. And hopefully we can learn what they're learning and the you know the hopefully eventually the movement becomes a lot better another kind of part of the strategy though is like we work a lot with college students and Mm -hmm. high school students that's kind of our main you know target demographic and one of the reasons for that is that i think they're going to take over the pro-life movement in 20 years Hmm. i want to train them out of all the bad habits now (laughs) while they're young (laughs) say don't do all these dumb things that i've done in my past or dumb things that i've seen other people like well-meaning well-intentioned people do like don't yeah. do this 
this doesn't work very well. Yeah. Stay this instead. Be this kind of person instead and not that kind of person. Yeah. So that then when they take over the pro-life movement, um, it's not just a few directors of pro-life organizations that have um, this particular like way of thinking about pro-choice people and the way we ought to dialogue with them. But it's like most of them. Like what would that look like? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to go after the future leaders. Right. Um, we're going after the people that are having the most conversations right now, which is, is going to be on college campuses. Um, and... Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm like, the, this is kind of like, we created a course. We made an online yeah. course last year because we wanted to be able to reach more people than we can physically get in front of. Um, if I'm going to get to most of these pro-life leaders, like there's like a thousand clubs, just like part of like this thing called students for life. Mm-hmm. And there's more like Christian apologetics clubs, like ratio Christie and things like that. But like, there's like just a thousand students for life clubs. Well, for me to actually have a hope of getting to the future pro-life leaders, I need to be hitting at least half of them, mm-hmm. which means we needed to in a course. And so if people yeah. wanted to learn more, they could go to equipcourse.com, blah, blah, blah. And they could learn uh, like in a very systematic way. What are the things that we think about dialogue and mm-hmm. attitudes to avoid and arguments to make um but that's part of why is i don't want to just affect a hundred people or a thousand people i want to affect thousands and thousands and thousands of people and see the pro-life movement be just a very different thing in 20 years well very cool i appreciate that um i don't know if you recently i recently read an article uh, bbc Mm -hmm. um that in a few years probably less than 10 um iceland will be a hundred percent um free of down syndrome births Wow. Well, I read into the article, and due to their— Why is that? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, okay, that's that's pretty clickbaity headline. So I don't know if they found a miracle, whatever you want to call it. Um, But basically, it's screening. And then uh, they have—obviously, the amniocentesis, whatever I can't can't pronounce the word. You you, you nailed it. But um, that and another screening that uh, they present this to the mother, most about a 100% rate right now. Yeah. Mothers are, are opting for abortion. Yep. Um, do you, as Americans, we're usually ten, ten or ten years or twenty years behind Europeans a lot of times with you no, know, this certain, happens a lot certain cultural things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you think do you think we're trending that way yep. or we're trending back the other way? No, I think I think we're we're trending that way. Like it's hard to get really good stats. Um, the, the, like the best stat on Down syndrome abortion comes from Europe, and so you got to be mm-hmm. careful like how much of this applies. And that stat was. I think it's something like 90% um, of, of, of diagnosed Down syndrome fetuses were, were, were killed, um, and which is awful. Like, that's, that's, that's targeting. That's discrimination. Right. Um, but I, I, I suspect America is probably similar, but we don't have as much hard data. So I'm, so I'm just like, I'm, I'm just going guess, to guess it's a lot. Like, we're also in a culture that cares a lot about um, kind of ease of living, being comfortable, things mm-hmm. like that. It wouldn't be weird for me if it's, if it's a similar statistic, I certainly have heard from people who used to work in abortion clinics where they've they've kind of talked about similar things. And um, I, I think, like, assuming that I'm right, that there is no morally relevant difference between the unborn and, like, a two-year-old, that's my view. I think they're morally equal. Um, one is more developed than the other. One's older than the other. I just don't think that matters because hmm. we're, we're a certain kind of thing. Um, we're kind of thing that that has intrinsic value that that, that morally matters a lot and that really matters to how we should uh, 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 like act against that person, how we should treat that person. And so I think this comes down to like how should we treat disabled people? Like how do mm. we treat disabled? People? Well, we we help them as much as we can. We love them. We give them palliative care if they're in pain. We try to help them not be in pain. Um, we do as much as we can for them. We don't kill them. We don't mistreat them. 
Um, we don't, you know, violate them sexually. Like there's these different things that are just like really obvious to people, but it's a lot more obvious when they're outside the womb. Um, there's a great YouTube video that like, I think like everyone should watch called choosing Thomas. Mm. And I'm going to spoil the video. It's like nine minutes long and you have to watch it with tissues because it's one of the saddest videos. You can see. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm going to make you depressed. For like Weeping. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's about, it's not a pro-life video. It's like a, this local news crew was given permission to follow around this family who's, um, child had had been given one of the worst diagnoses you can have, which was it was either trisomy thirteen or trisomy eighteen, um, and either one of those or like anencephaly, like like you're, if the child survives till birth, it's not going to live long after birth, and this is where obviously a lot of abortions happen too, and uh, so but they did not have an abortion, and they allowed this crew to kind of follow them. They're having doctor's appointments. They're trying to figure out how to how to handle the birth. It's very complicated. Um, uh, when, when, when there's like physical issues like that, um, and then what happens after the birth, how do we handle this? And, and, you know, if X is happening, if Y is happening, if C is happening, um, the child survives the birth, um, and eventually survives long enough that they can basically go home and do hospice care at home. He, he lived somewhere between a week and two. It's been, I, I need to watch it again because I, I don't remember exactly how long, but you know, they're there. It's really, really, really sad. But towards the end for the first and only time the subject of abortion comes up. It's one of the last things said on the video. Like they've already shown images from the funeral, you know, with this, you know, tiny coffin. And the dad says there were a lot of people who asked us why we didn't terminate. And he said, we didn't terminate because he's our son. Hmm. I think that is the right attitude to have. It's like, this is our child. It is tragic. We live in an, in, 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 in a, a, an imperfect world, a world where really, really bad stuff happens. Um, I, I, you know, but most people would think that we have three kids. We have five. Hmm. We lost our first pregnancy at 10 weeks due to miscarriage. And then my oldest son was a twin and this really weird, rare thing called a heterotopic pregnancy, which means this twin didn't make it down the floating tube. That's like rare. Um, when you don't do like IVF and stuff where, where twins are, are more common. Um, and like, like pregnancies don't work out sometimes a lot. Mm. Um, and that's part of the world that we're in, but it doesn't mean that it, like it shouldn't affect the way that we treat right. these people. It might mean that our life is harder. Um, and yeah, but parenting is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like yeah. it's part of what we learn. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure my wife didn't get what she wanted when she was uh, she married me either. Cause she had it kind of tough too. Um, a couple more issues, and we'll yeah. wrap this up. But uh, what's what's your opinion on um, California trying to prosecute? I think they just wrapped up 15 felony charges against the organization called Center for Medical Progress. Yep. Ones who uh, came into the uh, gorilla video, yep. viral video of uh, Planned Parenthood on the uh, selling of baby parts and yep. things mm-hmm. like that. What what's your opinion on? Yeah. Number one, do you, do you approve of that tactic of inside information showing it to the world yep. and taking taking you know seeing the man behind the curtain of Oz? <laughs> um, number one, and also what, what's your thoughts on the prosecution out of California? Yeah, uh, California stand. Um, I have no moral issue with what David Delighton did. I've met David. We blogged a lot about like when the, when the videos were coming out that 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 one summer. Um, of what, I think 2015, right? I think it's 2016, I think. It's one of the two. It's, 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 it's been a while since there's a, a new one came out recently. But that summer we blogged, there's the main thing we blogged about because we're trying to basically help pro-lifers to think well about the videos. So a lot of, like a common kind of thing in the videos would be like, there'd be certain things in the videos that are really actually important and things worth talking about. And then other things that sometimes people get distracted about hmm. that are maybe a little bit more sensationalism. Thank you. <laughs> I can't talk Pacific anymore. Pacific and specific. 
but like yeah. the like the wrong thing to be like it's not going to persuade persuade people so we blogged a lot about that you can still find like there's a tag on our blog for for center for medical progress videos and you can find uh, some of our best articles i think were, were about that stuff um i have no moral issue with what david did like the the, the issue and there's actually a, a big debate about this a little bit within the pro-life movement actually before david did his things because his predecessor lila rose from live action had done some undercover planned parenthood videos and stings and things like that um and there was a there was like a big written kind of public debate between these two like catholic <coughs> theologians um, kind of debating the morality of what Lila did because Lila went in under false pretenses with this, you know, wearing a you know, button cam and mm-hmm. um, and put out these these videos. And um, so one kind of the, the, the side against Lila and David would would basically come from a, a place of like moral absolutism. It is always wrong to lie no matter what, no matter what your intentions are. Lying is a sin and you and you cannot sin. Um, even if like you have these good intentions, like you, you, it's, it's doing a bad thing for the right reasons kind of thing is still a bad thing is, is, is the argument. I'm not a moral absolutist. I'm, I'm a moral objectivist, which means that I think lying is wrong, but I think there are occasional cases where some people are not owed the truth. Basically like, uh, it just, for me, it comes down to like, if the, if, if I'm hiding Jews in the 1940s and the SS will knock on my door. I'm not going to tell them. Oh yeah, they're in the kitchen. <laughs> they're in the they're in like, the attic. <laughs> I'm going to lie to their face, and I actually think that's the morally right thing to do. So that's right. where the distinction is sure. morally. So I have no problem with them going out. I think they did what a, a, what undercover investigative journalists have been doing for a long time, and California specifically has has protected that, has like ruled in a case similar uh, that it was fine. Um, and so I, I think this is clearly politically motivated. And it's probably election season somewhere. Like if you're going to like, like, like I, I have a lot more respect for it if it's like, okay, we as a state or as a country or whatever, we're going to say no more investigative journalism and you keep and you pass along, you make it equal. Like it's still messed up and stupid, but yeah. at least keep it even in California. They're not even doing that. They're just ruling against the pro-lifers, but then they, they, they let people um, film inside PETA, like, you know, like, not inside PETA, but like, well, that's probably the, the, like, the farming the places, factory yeah. farms yeah. and the things like that. Like, which I'm fine with too. I've yeah. watched some of PETA's videos. There's yeah. important information in those. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff about PETA too, but yeah. like, they're, like that's data. That's data that I want to have. And so at a, as a free speech level, uh, I don't have a moral yeah. issue with it. And I think that the law should be, should be treated like, so, so should be act, enacted fairly, basically. Okay. I agree. Um, last article I'm going to bring up is this, this is actually kind of an article of hope. I don't know if you remember, there was a kid named um, Noah Wall. I don't know if I'm sure. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, Noah Wall was uh, labeled the boy with no brain. I don't know if you remember the story. It's been a few years back now. Did he have anencephaly? Is that what? Um, let me see here. He's actually out of England, hmm. um, but simple version of the story is about four, like four or five years ago, uh, his mother, father received a, uh, a diagnosis that he was uh, basically had no functioning brain. Wow. Born just, but brainstem basically only. Wow. And then um, he was born with a very shallow skull, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. He. Uh, they they decided to carry the term and didn't want to board. And um, anyway, four years later, he's actually getting his own reality TV show now. I can't. Wow. We can't even get a reality <laughs> TV show. Hey, this kid. But uh, wow. he actually, might be a lot more interesting. But he's, <laughs> he's, he's no, no, no offense, Brandon. <laughs> my fault. It's always my fault. But uh, he, he's had recent scans and everything. Brain development. His brain grew into place. I mean, he's, he looks like a normal kid. Uh, actually, I just looked it up. He has spina bifida. He had a okay. very very. Extreme form of spina bifida. 
But the only thing he doesn't have is uh, um, he's working on is his leg function. Uh, everything mm-hmm. else, he's you know, so his so his brain is fully functional now. It it's making progress still, but okay. he's basically just a little bit par- uh, paralyzed down from his chest uh, chest down. But, but they're working on getting yeah. his leg functions and stuff like that. So I guess what I, my point of this story is that there's sometimes God could be in the midst of mm. extreme tragedy, extreme like a extreme diagnosis, extreme. Yeah. Uh, situation like this that and that's it's what we always hear of you know when people like i just you know something great could happen out of this and i guess when i go back and think about the abortions and you know the you you every year i guess on the roe v roe v wade anniversary you hear how many abortions we've had right Uh, i wonder how many philosophers and how many scientists that could have possibly been or you know the next civil rights leader or whatever so that's where my brain wanders and yeah, thought experiments. Yeah, so I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back now, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no. I'm Go gonna, ahead. I'm going to bring things awkward now. I so uh, so I hear what you're saying. Um, first of all, on the on the thing about Noah, like my my reaction to them to to to, the, to this kid named Noah is, wow, human beings are really incredible. Right. <laughs> like, like the way God created us, because there's there's cases where like you would expect for us not to be possible. There there are embryos that implanted on the outer wall of the uterus mm. or in the mom's guts and survived oh, wow. because women's bodies are amazing. You know, like that kind of thing. Like, the, like the, the, there are rare cases of, right. We all know now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, like that, that's awesome. And, and I'm so glad that Noah's parents made the right decision and, and, and didn't hire a doctor to, to kill him before he was born. So, but I, I want to uh, caution against kind of the argument, of like, like, think about like, you know, it's about a million abortions a year or so. Like, think about like all the philosophers and doctors and things like that, because I think this actually plays into pro-choice hands. It's mm. it, it, like, you're not the first one to make this argument. Like, this is a very common argument, but I think this is one of the more obvious ones where it's like, we shouldn't make this argument. And here's, and there's a couple reasons why. I'm not saying I would, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for anyone listening who would maybe be thinking, hey, I've got a purchase friend, this is what I'm going to Well, think about all the doc. A lot of times the argument goes, think of all the Beethovens we could have, mm. we could have aborted. Think of all the, the cancer curers we could have. Um, there was a, there, in fact, I saw this in a, in a pastor's, like, you know, those like books of like sermon illustrations. Here's sure. some cool <laughs> stories if you're a pastor to tell. Oh, boy. Like arranged by topic. There, I saw this mm-hmm. in one where it was like, um, you know, this this guy dies of cancer and he goes up to the pearly gates and there's you know God there and he says you can ask me anything and it's like why didn't you send someone to cure cancer and he's like I did and you aborted him like that's the whole like that's <laughs> mic drop you know and Trump famously has made this argument mm. multiple times in fact the last time four years ago when he was running for 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 president he was on CBN. And they asked him, "Why you? We heard you went from pro choice to pro life. Why are you pro life now?" And he and basically his argument was, "Well, I knew this family, and they they got pregnant. They didn't want to be pregnant, and but then they had the baby anyway. And now he's the apple of their eye, and you know. So I heard some stories like that, and I went pro life. And I'm like, okay. So the the problem is like this works. The uh, the the both sides of the coin go here. So you're we're also boarding rapists." Mm-hmm. And and other like really really bad people like every, every day yeah. and we're not and like that's still not 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 okay. It would be wrong to abort Hitler, um, you know. Like like it, you don't like once Hitler's chosen to do Hitler things, you know. Then like it's you know we're in war. It's a different thing. Um, but the other thing I think the more important thing is this: um, like a big underlying foundational part of the difference between pro life and pro choice people. A lot of times, not always, but usually is how do we think about human value? So pro-life people typically 
think of human value as something that's intrinsic, meaning you are valuable because of the kind of thing you are, mm. um, whether that's a being made in God's image or, you know, maybe more philosophical direction. Um, but like, that's kind of the idea. Like it doesn't matter what you can do functionally. What matters is what the kind of thing you are. Whereas pro-choice people tend to think that human value is instrumental, meaning you're valuable because of what you can do functionally or what you mm. offer back to society. And so, like, the dangerous thing about this common pro-life argument is that sort of kind of adopts the pro-choice worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, and you don't, like, we don't want to make, like, we, we, we don't want to, so, like, even if the person's going to be a bum at 50 years old in his parents' basement playing Call of Duty, <laughs> like, and, like, just does nothing for society, even if it's going to be a homeless person, it's still wrong to abort him because he's right. still a human being. It still morally matters, yeah. even if he's not given anything to society. Well, and, and I'll even argue with that is, is, you know, I think of Gwen, and she was on the show with, you mm-hmm. know, learning disabilities and things like that. I mean, there's such, everybody's valuable, you know, yeah. and w- whether like you said, whether you play Call of Duty or whatever, and like how much of a blessing can a child be mm-hmm. even if they don't do anything? So I know you rag about your daughter not doing anything, but I mean, it's a blessing. Um, She's still a blessing. She's just a pain in the neck. So. <laughs> right. As kids are. That's right. right. Do you think, last question for me. Yeah. We probably could talk for another 10 hours. I know. I like, I, you <laughs> ask great questions. The uh, Do you think eugenics is becoming more and more unacceptable on co- on college campuses now? Um, yeah, so that's a really good question. So there's this weird thing where, like, so just, just so everyone's tracking, it's so like the, 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 the idea of eugenics, which was really popular in the early 1900s. Which I thought was it was like, a band in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> it would make a pretty awesome metal name, right? Um, no, so it would be like the idea that we want to think of like improving the human race the way we do breeding like of horses. Like you put the good horses together and they're going to have good horse babies and then put those like, like you kind of do that kind of thing. And there's it's like the extreme version of Darwin's uh, mm. fittest survival yeah. thing. So yeah, something like, like, like we're, we're going to kind of artificially try to improve the human, like, like get the human race on a fast track toward being better in a couple of generations. Super like that, breed that, stuff. That, that kind good of good luck with that. Hitler. And, and the founder <laughs> of Planned Parenthood, uh, Margaret Singer was really into something called negative eugenics, which means that she really wanted people who were unhealthy not to have a lot of kids. Right. Um, so Oops. she was super into birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't really into uh, abortion. It was the early 1900s, but she was super into, like, let's get birth control to all the unhealthy people. <laughs> um, some people would argue that she was racist. That's a little bit harder. It's just complicated. I'm sure. not going to go further down the road. But she was certainly into eugenics. Um, I think she even helped sponsor a film called Tomorrow's Child, I believe. It's... Sound the same around the same period anyway. Yeah, so I I don't, I don't know very much about about tomorrow's child, so I, I can't I can't comment. I have to, she, I have to link you to that. Her so. her uh, her news newsletter, the Birth Control Review, certainly see allowed like racists to write in it. She's at least culpable for that. There are a lot of racists in the early 1900s. Yeah, sure. like, um, so like certainly like it's like it's this embarrassing part of. American history. Mm-hmm. There were so many, like, basically, like, rich people hanging out in, like, first-class lounges, smoking <laughs> and talking about, oh, you know, if we, you know, did this. Like, there weren't so many homeless people having children. Like, this, like it's just, like, it's, 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 it's bad. And yet, man, you hear the strangest things on college campuses <laughs> when oh, you I'm talk sure. to, especially the philosophy. The kid who just took his first philosophy class and was like, I know everything now. Mm-hmm. Or I've learned, mm-hmm. I've unlearned everything I learned, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, certainly, I've talked to people that are like yeah maybe we should um uh go back to 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 that or but it's like sometimes like 
I think sometimes they end up saying these things because they're trying to stay consistent with the view that we're making harder to hold, mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to lose. Like 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 people get into fight mode, and they just like don't, they don't want to lose, and so they'll say really stupid things like, "Yeah, maybe you can kill toddlers sometimes," like that kind of thing. Just try not to like give any ground. Okay, that's like its own thing. Like, it's like you you kind of we kind of call it out and kind of say like, "I hope that's not your actual view," because I don't think that's your view. You seem like a really good person, and I don't think that's your view. Sure, <laughs> that's a really awful thing. You just yeah. Say. So if you're forty and all of a sudden you have cancer. Should we go ahead and just eliminate you too? I mean, I swear right. we could yeah, eventually you go could for totally, it. Yeah. yeah, go all these different thought experiments, just make it harder and harder and harder to 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 bite those bullets. But I think sometimes we talk to people who they're not just guarding intellectual turf. They actually like right now, right now they, they like they've been made to be foolish. Like there are some really really intelligent fools, <laughs> um, yeah. and a lot of them are philosophers. Oh. Uh, and so in a philosophy class, like, and, 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 and my brother has talked about seeing this where like, you know, the, 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 and heard stories from philosophy classes where like, you know, they're having a whole discussion about infanticide. And then one student in the back pipes up and says, well, how do we really know that it's wrong to kill newborns? And then the philosophy <laughs> teacher says, good job, good job for, you know, questioning all your properly basic beliefs, like, like that kind of thing. And people are, are, are being made to be stupider. Mm. Um, in these classes and it's bad so, so then we talk to them they walk out of class and there we are with our pool table mm. <laughs> you know or maybe eventually a pool table that's what i'm saying um, and uh, and and talk to us and we have a conversation where it's like hey, are you do you really think these things that you're saying and um, but sometimes we're talking to utilitarians mm. again and utilitarians will say the worst things that'd be the worst tv show title ever the utilitarians <laughs> utilitarians say the worst things oh man yeah that's right say the darndest <laughs> things get a get a utilitarian short utilitarian on like a on a thing on a stand a little, little pedestal and talk, just ask them questions for a while um we i mean we basically do that i mean and and we'll try to show like the, this view this view that like what is objectively morally good is is uh you know whatever is good for for the greater number of people you know increasing pleasure decreasing pain and all that like this view does occasionally get right answers the way a stopped clock does like every once in a while it's going to happen to be right accidentally but it, it consistently gets really really wrong answers like jack bauer mm-hmm. like it is really i'm sorry it is really wrong to torture people Regardless of whether or not they know where the suitcase nuke is, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 I can push like like uh, the pro-choice person, like the utilitarian who wants to be like you know he's he's all liberal, he's already anti-torture, and I'm the weird conservative being like I'm against waterboarding, like I'm the I'm the weird <laughs> weird guy there, um, and be like look. I can say it's wrong to waterboard because I think it's torture. I can say it's wrong to torture people. You can't. You're a utilitarian. If he knows where the suitcase nuke is, there's 15,000 people in the stadium or whatever, 70,000 people in the stadium. How can you say it's wrong to torture this guy? How can you say how can you say it'd be wrong to like sexually abuse this guy if you know that's what it's going to take? And they're like, they don't know what to say because they want to say, of course, it's wrong to rape people. Of course, it's wrong mm-hmm. to torture people. And I can say, yeah, I get to say that. Because yeah. I'm not a utilitarian. I, I, I believe that some things are just wrong, regardless mm. of the consequences. You don't get to do that unless you change your worldview, which I really think you should do. Like, <laughs> like, like, you, like if your moral worldview gets really wrong answers consistently, it's not the right view. You should right. think something different. Like, you should, you should have a different view because you're going to get a lot of wrong answers. Wow. A lot of info. Yeah, sorry. Of, no, like no, data no. Dump. No, I, I, this is, I love 
thought experiment. So I love being challenged. Nice. And uh, so I, I appreciate this. And maybe we'll have you back on. Hopefully soon we'll maybe continue the dialogue. And uh, I'd love to have you on my podcast so you can tell this, your, your story yeah. of, of what your, your experience has been going from pro-choice to pro-life because I'm always just fascinated by those well, stories. Pro-life to pro-choice. Or, <laughs> and, yeah, it's just been a whole thing for you. That's but true. like, I respect that. Yeah. That means that you're an open-minded person, Brandon. Right. And do you know how few open-minded people there are? <laughs> There's quite a few. Like, it's yeah, really, right. really sad and yeah. scary. Um, sure. that's, I have so much respect for you. Well, thanks. I appreciate um, that. And I'd hey, check that, that one, Biggin. He, he respects me. That's that's one on the that's list. One. Yeah. I probably, that's I, one. I mean, I don't know enough about JT yet. This is like, so I'll, but I, JT seems like a pretty cool dude too. No, I'm not. <laughs> I think he's pretty. I'm awesome. trying to throw you a line. <laughs> well, Josh, this is Josh uh, Brom with us again. Uh, he is from the Equal Rights Institute dot com, or excuse me, EqualRightsInstitute.com. dot com. Uh, check out his website. Also, you can. Uh, Probably continue a conversation with him on Facebook. Yeah, and uh, Facebook. but go back to his base. Uh, go back to his website. He actually has some uh, blogs, his podcast, and uh, speaking engagements. Maybe where he's at. Mm-hmm. So just uh, please contact me if you're interested. And thanks, Josh. Again, we appreciate you coming on the show today. I had a blast. Thanks All so right. much for having me. Thank you. And as always, um, next week we'll have a great show. Yeah, actually, we have uh, Chris uh, from Red Hill Breweries so come on and talk to us about. What actually brewing is like? That's going to be a process. way different podcast. <laughs> That's what we do. We're, we're dude. We're, we're like we come up with the weirdest topics sometimes. It's just like you know, we, we had such a great response from our last uh, uh, commoners brewing, and people are like, "Well, we want to know more about the ingredients and the yeah. process." That's awesome. So we're I'm telling we're like uh, we're like a schizophrenic podcast. We just have all kinds <laughs> of things going on. So. Good deal. But once again, we appreciate you tuning in. Please check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Also, go to uh, one of those uh, avenues of getting our podcast. Give us a like, a share, a review. Um, you can also find us on the Facebooks at Southern Fry Philosophy. You can also find us at uh, Twitter and Instagram at SFP Radio. And also our luxurious website that we actually have content on at www.southernfryphilosophy.com. As always, keep it rolling. I'll <laughs> see you next week. Stinking allergies. <laughs> <laughs> oh.